It has been a huge week for Trump, a rough week for the Democrats. The John Durham trial began this week of Michael Sussman, the Hillary Clinton lawyer. Elon Musk has humiliated Twitter. Musk has exposed that a huge number of Twitter accounts are fake, are probably fake, are robots. Way more. Twitter admitted that it was about 5%. Elon Musk is saying closer to 20%, maybe more. And Joe Biden, it's been exposed, 50% of Twitter, of Joe Biden's Twitter followers are fake. 50%. This is a bombshell because it means that half of Biden's Twitter followers are actually genuine, which is pretty shocking to people. They don't even know that, by the way. It could be even more, but at least 50% of Biden's Twitter followers likely fake. And Trump is now 75 and 1. And I know, you know, there's going to be a runoff with Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. But you got Trump in terms of the Trump-endorsed candidates, primary Republican candidates that have been endorsed by Trump. 75 out of 76 candidates endorsed by Trump have won their primaries or have moved on to a runoff. Majority of them have won outright. And, of course, so that is huge. I mean, he is as influential a politician as I have ever seen in America. I mean, literally in in, in the last 30, 40, 50 years, I don't know anybody. Maybe Reagan came close to Trump, the amount of influence that he has over Republican voters. It's like if Trump endorses you, it's an automatic that you're going to win. Now, the movie 2000 Mules has exposed massive election fraud back in 2020 by the Democrats. So you talk about a rough week, and Elon Musk has announced, he, he he tweeted that he has converted. He is no longer a Democrat. He says, I used to be a Democrat, but now I'm switching Republican. And by the way, Elon Musk, he did not change. Remember, you know, Elon Musk, yeah, has he shifted a bit to the right? Possibly, slightly, ever so slightly to the right. But Musk has stayed the same. It's the radical leftists. It's just like Reagan. Reagan said, I did not leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. So and like, look at me, for example, by the way, you know, I get told that I'm an extremist, that I'm a fanatical right wing lunatic. And I'm not extreme. I'm very close to the middle. I'm a Reagan conservative. But when the contrast is a bunch of wacky lunatic socialists who literally just want to hand out money, bankrupt the country and allow criminals to to walk the streets with guns, that you know, when that's the contrast, you like you look extreme when you're just a plain old regular conservative. All right, so a shocking new report. We'll get to this coming up. Do you remember when they blamed President Trump for severe hurricanes? Remember Hurricane Florence, and uh, there were these very very severe hurricanes under Trump. The whole thing was absurd. It was comical because Trump's climate policies. Yeah, he lifted some environmental restrictions on companies, but like. Those don't take effect for years and years, assuming they even have any effect. So, like, you're not even going to see the end result of a president's climate policies for the next 10 or 15 years. But the whole thing, anyway, turns out it's been debunked. This is a shocker because it turns out that you know, they, 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 there were severe hurricanes and they were blaming Trump and said, you know, if you the more emissions you have, the more severe the weather becomes because of climate change. It turns out. Scientists now have proven it comes from clean air. And we'll get to the details coming up. I'm not going to get, don't worry, not going to get too much into the weeds. I know, you know, talking about the weather and the climate, uh, you know, is about as exciting as singing you like a lullaby or, you know, like reading you, you know, the Magna Carta. So don't get 
too concerned, but at least some of the basics here, which are pretty fascinating, but severe hurricanes, severe weather actually comes from clean air. Pollution, it turns out, prevents very severe hurricanes. This is uh, this was on CNN. This is not some kind of like right-wing conspiracy, and pollution actually prevents global warming, so we're going to get to that. But, you know, I want to mention, obviously we've got this baby formula shortage. Inflation is still out of control. Literally every state in the country right now is above $4 a gallon for gas on average. That has never happened. Congratulations. Another Biden record. All 50 states are now averaging above $4 a gallon. You got the border crisis, so the country is coming apart. And Literally, uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, he tweeted, he put out a tweet and, you know, just he said, look at look at Congress. Then they wonder why we what, you know, why why the world can't stand why we can't stand Congress, because you got the country falling apart, baby formula, inflation, the border crisis and everything else. And Congress held a hearing this week on UFO sightings. I kid you not. With all these crises going on, with all these messes happening around us. Congress held a hearing on Tuesday about UFO sightings, which there have been many, by the way. And, and it's like Jim Jordan is like, this is what you're spending time on, UFO sightings, with the, the, the countries literally coming apart at the seams. And it, Congress's approval numbers are even low than, lower than Joe Biden's, shockingly, and now we know why. And just uh, one for one moment to spend on UFOs, there are actually documented UFO sightings, which it, it doesn't mean that they are aliens. It doesn't mean that UFOs, you know, that you actually have these like flying saucers with like Martians that are landing. But there are all these documented UFO sightings from the military. Congress literally held a hearing about it. And my point is, this used to be a conspiracy theory. If you believed in UFOs, then like you were a kook, you were a whack job, and they would like put you in a straitjacket. And now the U.S. military is really confirming that the UFO sightings were real. They were authentic. They, they, they actually happened. UFOs, there, there are all these videos of UFOs. There were these reports like thousands of people saw these lights in the sky that could not be explained as airplanes or anything else. So what's my point is they made people think, oh, UFOs, you must be crazy. And now they're admitting, well, no, actually, those people that we all thought were nuts were actually correct after all. And the point is that what about other conspiracy theories? You know, you say something that's that they're trying to hide, that they're trying to bury. You talk about the deep state. Or what about the lab leak theory, the Wuhan lab leak theory, right? That's supposed to be a conspiracy theory. Well, until it's not, until the military says or until intel agencies and the CIA gets up and says, we actually, of course, the virus leaked out of the Wuhan lab. What do you think? It came from a bat? All right. So in California, speaking of the gas price you know, astronomically high gas prices in California, they are modifying gas pumps. You cannot make this stuff up. They're modifying gas pumps to be ready for double digits because in California, they're actually expecting $10 a gallon gas prices as they creep higher and higher. So you know how the gas pump, there's like room, they have these digital gas pumps where it'll, it'll say like four ninety nine a pound now. It's five ninety nine, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine a pound or a, a pound, I'm sorry, a gallon. I don't, I don't pay for gas by the pound, but um, 
So they're actually getting ready for ten dollars. So they're going to have to add because ten dollars that's four digits. There's like you know nine ninety nine. Maybe they have that fifth digit at the end. I don't know. The, the sometimes they'll like round it because the, the gas price it'll be like nine dollars and nine or four dollars and ninety nine cents, and then it's nine 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 because they don't want to charge five dollars, but they want to go up like to, you know to the possibly highest possible fraction, whatever. But either way, they're adding another digit so that now they can charge not just. Nine dollars or nine ninety nine a gallon, but up to ten dollars a gallon. So that just tells you this is the Biden digit. I mean, you literally have under Biden Dollar Tree uh, increased to Dollar Twenty Five Tree. Uber added a Biden gas surcharge. At least that's what I call it. And now you have the Biden digit as we approach ten dollars ten dollars a gallon. All right. So I want to talk about this baby formula um, situation here for a moment because, as we know, there's a baby formula shortage. And this is squarely, you're going to say, listen, this is the supply chain and this is COVID, whatever. Biden, he always has somebody to blame. I mean, he's literally going to go down in history as the worst president ever, but also the man who blamed everything on Putin and Trump and COVID. But here's the thing. It actually, there's, you know, there's a bombshell op-ed in the Washington Examiner. The baby formula shortage is squarely the fault of President Biden. Because number one, Biden, they've known that this baby formula shortage was an issue for months because they closed down the largest manufacturer of baby formula in the country, Abbott Labs. The FDA closed them down months ago and had issues even before that. As as, as much as eight months ago, they already were aware that there were issues with Abbott Baby Formula Labs. And three months ago, they shut them down. So they've had at least three months advance notice. I don't know which is worse. You know, they claim, well, Biden's been working on it. Well, he's been working on it for three months, never mentioned it to anybody and uh, has no solution. So he's totally incompetent. Or the truth most likely is that he hasn't been working on it. Now they're just claiming they look so silly. They're just claiming they worked on it. So I guess it's not as incompetent as if he's been working on it for all these months. But it's quite an embarrassment because... They've known about this. This has not been a secret. And it's completely 100% within the control of the FDA to have a ton of baby formula. I'm going to explain. Let me let me just read you here from this piece in the Washington Examiner where they expose that this is 100% within the control of the president and the FDA and the federal government. Not only is it their fault, but they could have easily found solutions uh, to, to, to have plenty, a surplus of baby formula. Because here's the story. Biden said several days ago, he said, should he have taken steps to address the shortage? He said, if we had been better mind readers, then I guess we could have. Ha ha ha. You know, what do you expect me to do? Read minds, right? No, it has nothing to do with reading minds. This is actually very, very basic because they knew about the Abbott, again, Abbott Labs, that's the largest manufacturer in the United States of baby formula. And uh, eight months ago, they already had issues in terms of b- possible bacteria, you know, possible contamination in Abbott Labs. So right then, they should have woken up and realized, all right, wait a second, we may have to shut down these labs. We need a contingency plan. Then the FDA issued a recall of formula from Abbott Labs three months ago. That means three months ago, they shut down this lab. It's been shut down for three months. By the way, it's reopening now. So they obviously had it in their control. Suddenly there's a shortage and oh, wow, boom, we figured out a way to reopen. Well, why didn't you do that two months ago? Okay. The FDA shut down this lab and then couldn't figure out a way for it to reopen until they were under the gun, until they were embarrassed and humiliated. And they woke up and said, wow, this looks really bad. We have no baby formula. It's the United States. It's like a third world country. Oh, well, let's figure out a way to reopen the plant. So they could have clearly done that weeks ago because they managed to get it done now within just a couple of days. But here's the thing. It's not even about that because 
They should buy formula from Europe. Do you know there's plenty, plenty of baby formula right now available in Europe, European baby formula? Well, why, you may ask, why don't we always buy baby formula from Europe? It's illegal. The FDA prohibits buying uh, baby formula that comes from Europe. And in, in fact, they even customs and border protection they even flag it. The customs agents, if you try to bring baby formula from Europe, there's like a special blacklist and it's it's contraband. You're literally not allowed to like smuggle European baby formula into the United States. Now, you may wonder, European baby formula is highly safe, okay? You don't hear about European babies like dropping over and keeling over because of some kind of bad tainted baby formula in Europe, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. So why does the FDA not allow it? In fact, by the way, it may even be healthier because they use a lot more organic and a lot more natural ingredients in European baby formula. Why does the FDA ban European baby formula? Because the issue is the labeling. It's a labeling issue. It's a technical issue. They're worried the, the brands in Europe don't have English labels or they don't list out the nutrients, the list, the, the you know, they don't have a list of like the exact nutrition facts the way the FDA would insist that it happened in the United States if it was an American product. So they're worried people are not going to know what exactly is in the baby formula or what kind of nutrients their children are getting in when they feed them the formula, something like that. It's a labeling issue. It's a technical the formula is perfectly fine. It's perfectly healthy. It might even be more healthy than American formula. But the FDA is worried you won't be able to read the label properly. Now, that sounds silly to me. We can debate whether or not that's a normal uh, or a ridiculous government restriction at normal times, but there's a shortage. There's a baby formula shortage. The government has known about it for months. So, of course, months ago, they should have lifted that silly ban, and months ago, they should have... Maybe it's not a silly ban. Maybe it's a legitimate ban. Fine. They should have lifted the ban on European baby formula, which is healthy, maybe more healthy, months ago when they realized, wait a second, we just shut down the biggest producer in the entire country of... Baby formula. And they, you know, they, they should have done that eight months ago. Certainly in February, they literally put out this recall and shut down the plant. And here it is in May, and you're still not able to obtain European baby formula. It is egregious. So they, number one, they should have known about it. They could have known about it. They, they did know about it. They should have done a, a, an awful lot more. And number two, there's a simple solution. Just lift the FDA ban on European baby formula, which they still have not done. Now, there's another very important fact to realize over here, which is what's the government actually interferes with the baby formula market. Because here's the thing. Number one, there aren't a lot of baby formula companies in the U.S., period. But aside from that, do you know that every state, in, in every state, there's actually one baby formula company that dominates the market? And it's basically a monopoly in each state. That doesn't mean you, you will see more than one company in a state. But but basically, that one company controls the, the entire state's market. What is that based on? What is it based on? It's a government-created monopoly. And this is the absurdity of the, uh, you know, of the government, of socialism, because that is controlled by, you'll never guess this, what determines New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, any state, Florida, what determines which baby formula will basically have a monopoly in that state. Again, I'm not saying you won't see other you know, but you get my drift. It's like that, 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 that company will then control the market in that state. It's controlled by WIC. WIC is food stamps. WIC are the food stamps where basically, um, you know, you get vouchers for foods like baby formula. Um, so basically the way it works is the, the food stamps, the, the WIC program, the government program, they'll have bidding. So the company in each state will bid. All right. Here's the amount of money that we can take 
for a can of formula, for a carton, a container, a formula, and then they'll get the contract. Then, and the government will only give that contract, basically WIC pays for two-thirds, two-thirds of baby formula that's purchased in the United States is paid for by WIC. It's paid for by government programs, by food stamps. So they're going to bid on that, and whichever company in that state win, has the lowest bid and says, listen, we can accept X amount of money, then they become exclusive. Basically, then the government will only pay, WIC will only pay for baby formula that's manufactured by that brand in that state. So what that creates, an artificial monopoly. The government is interfering and basically creating a monopoly where the other brands are like, all right, it doesn't make sense for us to operate in this state because if we're not going to get the WIC contract, now it doesn't make sense. WIC should just give you a blanket amount of money and say, here, here's how much we can afford. Here's how much you're spending on baby formula. What kind of baby formula you decide. You obviously have to use it to buy baby formula or whatever other product. Wick allows. Anyway, so that is how the government takes something which is a very, very functional situation and makes it dysfunctional and how President Biden has created, literally created, uh, this this disaster, this mess, this baby formula shortage. All right, a listener called in, and, and we're going to get to all the John Durham stuff, but a listener called in and made the point. He said that I flipped on Ukraine. I flipped on, I flip-flopped on, on my position on Ukraine because I used to blame Biden for not helping Ukraine, but then last show I'm I'm ranting about how can we send forty billion dollars in foreign aid to Ukraine when we don't even have baby formula and when you know the country's on the verge of bankruptcy. Well, which one is it? Do I, either I think we should be helping Ukraine or I don't. But I used to say we should be helping Ukraine. We're not doing enough and criticize Biden. And now I'm upset because how can we send forty billion dollars to Ukraine? And look, there's no contradiction. I want to explain. It's a great question. But I actually have not flip-flopped at all because I want to help Ukraine. I absolutely think that the United States should be helping Ukraine, not because of Ukraine. I don't care about – look, in theory, is it nice to help out other countries that are in need? I suppose, maybe. I don't really know much about the Ukrainians except that they, you know they're very corrupt and we know their history. Um, but uh, I don't know you know the current situation in Ukraine. But that's not the point. The point is it's an opportunity to bring down Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is an existential threat. He's a he's a bitter enemy of the United States, and he's a very very bad person, dangerous person. So easy way to eliminate Putin. Basically, Putin handed you on a silver platter an opportunity to bring him down and for regime change. So I totally support helping Ukraine bring down Putin. That's my position has not changed. But my issue is 40 billion. You're going to be shocked. Billions and billions of this 40 billion is actually we're, we're giving them cash. We're handing cash to the Ukrainians. And what do you think they're going to do with that money? I don't know. Well, you don't know. But but a lot of it's going to go down the drain. A lot of it's going to going to end up in the in the pockets of these corrupt leaders, whether it's Ukrainian politicians or even the United States. Even 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 there are a lot of members of Congress who are going to end up with kickbacks from this Ukrainian foreign aid. That's how this system works. It, it, the whole thing is it, it's like a Ponzi scheme. It's like a sham. So here's what I say. You want to send Ukraine um, defense assistance? You want to send them a way to help them defeat Putin? Send them javelin rockets. Send, send you know, these anti-tank missiles and rockets. Send them fighter jets. You want to send them tanks? Send them all sorts of weapons. Send them machine guns. Just send them the weapons. I have no problem if you want to send them the weapons. But you're sending them like 10 or 15 or 20 billion dollars in cash. That money is going to be hoarded by these corrupt Ukrainian leaders. And it's and like I said, it's going to be used to send kickbacks to U.S. politicians. It's going to go to, to American defense contractors. So 
this money, it's like it's like a big slush fund. It's like a party. It's like a free-for-all. All right, here's billions of dollars, compliments of the United States. And by the way, $40 billion in cash is a lot of money, as, as we're gonna, I'm going to lay out here in a moment. So that's my issue. You want to send them uh, weapons, send them the weapons. But you send them the cash, you're literally throwing the money into the garbage. You're throwing that, that money, you know, flush it down the toilet. That's throwing that money down the drain. So out of this $40 billion, $20 billion is military assistance. $20 billion is non-military aid, okay? There's $4 billion in humanitarian aid. This is literally a breakdown. $4 billion in humanitarian aid and then $8 billion in economic assistance. By the way, what's the difference? What's the difference between humanitarian aid and economic assistance? Humanita- I, I dare somebody to, tell, to explain to me humanitarian aid. Well, that's going to be food and supplies. And, and what's economic assistance? And by the way, why are we sending them economic assistance in addition humanitarian aid fine four billion that's a lot of money but then eight billion dollars in economic assistance i mean you have americans that can't afford the price of gas cannot afford to put food on the table and we're sending eight billion dollars to the ukrainians for economic assistance that's egregious now by the way Rand paul Rand paul temporarily held up this vote in the senate to send 40 billion it passed the house Rand paul held it up in the senate and he said all I want is a listing. He said, just ha- get, have the inspector general go through. He said, just delineate for me. Just I want you to give me a list of what all this money is going toward. How is the money being spent? And people got furious. People were livid. I'm talking to Mitch McConnell. I'm talking there were Republicans angry at Rand Paul because how dare Rand Paul hold up the money there are Ukrainians who desperately need this money. By the way, for months, these American politicians did not pass this package, okay? So they're suddenly blaming Rand Paul. Well, there's a war going on for months. I mean, there's, there's innocent Ukrainians getting, get, you know, getting slaughtered in Ukraine for months, and like suddenly Rand Paul's the bad guy. But Rand Paul's not the bad guy. Rand Paul is actually doing the right thing because he's the only one who has the courage to say, we cannot afford this $40 billion. Uh, the United States citizens come before Ukrainian citizens. And all he asked, he didn't even say, don't send it. He said, give me a list. I just want to see a list before we vote on this. Don't you think we should see how the money is going to be spent? And, and, and they refused to do it. And that is the proof that the money is, billions of it is going to go to waste. By the way, you know, this $40 billion, that's almost as much as the United States spends each year on protecting the border. And I mean complete. Completely, meaning they could have doubled yearly spending on U.S. border protection, which is badly needed right now. Listen to this. The U.S. budget provides $46.5 billion combined every year to the Coast Guard, TSA, ICE, and Customs Border Protection. So literally those four, those are your, those are your four agencies that literally protect the U.S. border. Their entire yearly budget, $46.6 billion a year. Coast Guard, TSA, ICE, and Customs Border Protection were sending virtually that amount of money to Ukraine. And meanwhile, look, the United States, the, 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 the border is a total mess, a total nightmare, thanks to Biden. And we have sent more to Ukraine. Now the United States in total, with this $40 billion, has sent over $53 billion to Ukraine. That is the total amount that the U.S. spent on infrastructure. Federal spending, I'm not talking about state and local, federal spending on infrastructure throughout the entire U.S., the, the entire country, is fifty-three, about $53 billion dollars in an entire year. So now we have spent we have sent to Ukraine in the last 6 months 53 billion. That is the total amount that federal spending on infrastructure in a single year. That's bridges, tunnels, and highways. So you're talking about just insane obscene amounts of money. And by the way, this package includes 9 billion dollars in salaries for Ukrainian officials. So like that's actually that's a fact. 9 billion dollars in salaries. 9 billion in salaries for Ukrainian officials, why are we spending 
Why are we paying the salaries of Ukrainian officials and why nine billion dollars? Now, that same listener called up, made, made a different, left me a message, made another point, which I want to address. He said, I don't go in depth enough. Why do I not go in depth? Why, do, why am I analysis? He says, I don't explain everything uh, as thoroughly as we could. And we don't go as in depth in our analysis as we possibly could. And, the, and, and I think that's a valid point. And I want to explain. I'm going to take you behind the scenes here just for a moment because I want to explain something very important, something that I grapple with. I'll be totally transparent here. I grapple with this. And, and I myself realize I'm ADHD. I myself, I'm ADD, I'm ADHD. Am I clinically? I don't know. But in other words, I jump from thing to thing. You know, if you like give me some kind of lesson, some kind of like, uh, I don't know, whether it's a math or a science lesson, history I'm a little bit more interested in. But like if you try to teach me something right now, I have to sit in a class for half an hour, 40 minutes. I mean, I'll, my brain will be all over the place. I'll be, you know, distracted looking. You know, I'll try very hard to focus, but it's going to be take a lot of effort. I'm easily distracted unless I'm really interested, unless I find the topic really fascinating. It's going to be hard to hold my attention. So I can relate to people who are ADHD. I like to view this show as really geared toward both, toward people who are very immersed, but also people who are very ADHD. So we kind of, we try to keep it moving and, you know, not get caught up in any one area so that we can give you, you know, uh, sort of cater to your ADHD and cater to your lack of focus. I could be focused, by the way. You know, when I do the show, I'm pretty focused. But, uh, you know, it all depends on the subject matter. So I, so I sympathize with people ADHD. At the same time, yeah, I like to go in depth. I think a lot of people, they want to understand. You know, when we talk about higher taxes versus lower taxes, gun control, what are the pros and what are the cons? We try to analyze the. I don't just go and take a position and say, listen, I think everybody should own a gun. I don't care if you're mentally ill. You should own 17 guns and, you know, uh, have a right to do whatever you want with them. Second Amendment. Like, we go through all different, all the different sides, all the different options. We, we, we try to bring proof and then, you know, uh, bring proof both in both directions and studies and analysis and data and everything else, right? That's what I try to do. But, I really don't want to be boring and I don't want your eyes to glaze over and it's like, all right, well, he spent like seven minutes discussing this. Like, it's time to move on. I'm done. Like, I, you know, I, I'm already, uh, yeah, he lost me like four minutes ago and he's just rambling on. So I don't want to be somebody who just rambles, even if it makes sense, even if it's in depth, even if it's, if it's, if it's thorough and, and, and a real true analysis and, and, you know, real substance. I'm not talking about fluff. I'm talking about substance, but even the substance, I try very hard to strike a balance where we keep things moving. We keep jumping from topic to topic, but we go in depth enough where you can at least get, you know, a good analysis and at least understand the questions, understand the different points on both sides and kind of, you know, at least the basic arguments in either direction. So there's your answer. Okay. I hope you enjoy. I hope you like it. But yeah, you're right. There are times when I just say, listen, enough is enough. We need to move on. And that was one of those times. Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Here's a quote from a tweet on Wednesday. Quote, in the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, but they have become the party of division and hate. So I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. Uh, so basically, Musk, not basically, Musk is telling us why he used to vote Democrat. I keep saying this, Musk never got into politics. He never publicly got into politics, but clearly he's conservative now. And here's what he's telling us. He's telling us I used to be Democrat. And they, and he's basically saying what Reagan said in other words, which is, I have not left the Democrat party, they left me. But he's saying they were the, the kindness party. They were mostly, they were mostly, mostly, mostly in parentheses, they were mostly the kindness party 
but now they've become the party of division and hate. And it's so obvious. So Elon Musk, Elon Musk, he has a lot of influence on on independent voters. That's been pointed out. You know, Elon Musk, somebody who's very well respected in the business world. Nobody views Elon Musk as being some kind of like right wing ideologue. You know, somebody who is defined by his politics. Elon Musk is a businessman. He's just there. He's observing what Twitter's doing. He's observing the Democrats and the media just ripping away people's freedom of speech, censoring people they don't agree with, and all the hate and all the and all the division and all the violence. Okay, Democrats are the party of cruelty. Look, Democrats, they're pro-BLM. They're pro-Antifa. They're pro the people who kill the cops. They're pro-criminal. They literally allow and, – and who do the Democrats harm the most? Black children, because black children in New York, in Chicago, in L.A., they're being shot every day. That's thanks to Democrat mayors and and Democrat politicians, okay? Democrats allow drugs to flow freely across the border. They allow criminals to walk the streets without bail, okay? They allow men to dress up like women and play women's sports, and if you disagree with them, forget it. You know, you're toast. They're going to censor you. They're going to ban you, and Democrats steal elections and they and they bury the facts, you know, that we with the biggest one of the biggest two of the biggest scandals in U.S. history, Spygate and then the Hunter Biden laptop. And the Democrats literally conspired with the media to bury those scandals. So that's the Democrats. And is it no wonder that Elon Musk can no longer stand the Democrats and he's converted to a Republican? The, the Democrats single handedly converted him. By the way, Nakba Day, you know, that Rashida Tlaib and the squad, Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, these anti-Semites, they are proposing a Nakba day. They're proposing this is what Iran has. This is unbelievable. And of course, the media is ignoring this, but they actually knock, you know, Nakba basically means disaster and tragedy. And Nakba day is what it's called in Iran, the day that, uh, the, you know, the, uh, that the Israelis, that the Jews basically, uh, became, you know, uh, took over Israel and, and, and created the state of Israel. That, that is what the Iranians call Nakba day and the Palestinians, the Arabs, they call it disaster day. Rashida Tlaib, they, they, they want that to be official U.S. policy. They want to create a Nakba Day and pass a resolution. And, and these are the leaders of the left wing of the Democrat Party. This, this socialist squad, they are as influential as any wing of the Democrat Party, and they want to create a Nakba Day. It, it's just uh, – it's beyond disgraceful, and, and it's viciously anti-Semitic. All right, so let's get to the John Durham trial here a little bit. So Michael Sussman, uh, the official – um, charges are that Michael Sussman lied to the FBI because he produced the Steele dossier. The FBI then used the Steele dossier to spy on President Trump, Trump's campaign, and yet he never disclosed. He said, no, I'm not working for anybody. I'm just going to give you this piece of evidence, but I'm doing this for myself, which was a complete lie, of course, because he was working for, what, Perkins Coy for the, uh, for Hillary Clinton's law firm. So, uh, look, I, I, I want to I wanna wait till next episode to really go through the entire timeline. Uh, of You remember Trump tweeted that they were wiretapping him at Trump Tower. It's really late, so I don't have time to get into all this right now. But it, it's like this. It's very simple. Hillary Clinton and Obama's DOJ and FBI, they spied on Donald Trump when he was an opposition candidate. They made up a phony, fake, bogus dossier which accused Trump of colluding with Russia. It was fake. It was made up. The FBI, they knew it was made up, and yet they used it as a pretext. They submitted it to, and they knew. They knew that it was very clear. They admitted, many of them admitted it. And uh, Andrew McCabe said, without Steele dossier, if there is no Steele dossier, then there is no FISA warrant. So they spied on um, Trump campaign operative Carter Page based on this dossier. This dossier was created by, was paid for by Sussman, 
who's the lawyer for Hillary Clinton. It was paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign and Fusion GPS. And uh, by the way, they also sent an FBI operative, what was his name, Stephon Halpert, to, uh, to spy on the Trump campaign. They embedded him in the Trump campaign trying to entrap them into using Russian dirt on Hillary. They didn't take the bait. They did not take the bait. There would be nothing wrong, by the way. It happens all the time. Campaigns get dirt from foreign countries to use against their uh, opponents. As long as it's real dirt, not fake dirt like the Steele dossier, as long as it's legitimate, you know, actual facts, then there's nothing wrong with doing that. But but the Trump campaign, they did not bite. Remember then Trump fired Comey. Comey kept assuring him you're not a target of the investigation. And and Trump said, why can't you just go public and announce it to, to the country? Because they think that I'm being investigated for colluding with Russia. Remember the media, they spread this vicious lie and this hoax and this this this, this literally this fake phony narrative, this fabricated, made-up narrative that Trump colluded with Russia. And they kept having these bombshells in the newspaper, how Jared Kushner somehow had a back channel, talk, you know, communicating with Russia before he t- before Trump took office. And then they entrapped Michael Flynn, and they basically tricked Michael Flynn into lying. He denies it. There is no proof that Michael Flynn, it's just based on the notes of these FBI agents, Peter Strzok and McCabe. Strzok and McCabe, they were they, they they despise Trump. They, they they have all these text messages. I mean, I mean, Andrew McCabe, his wife is like a Democrat politician who who took money from Hillary Clinton's campaign or, or or from the DNC, which was controlled. That money was controlled by Hillary Clinton. So Andrew McCabe literally in the tank for Hillary Clinton. And then you have Peter Strzok, who was texting all sorts of nasty things against Trump. They were the ones who went into the White House and Michael Flynn was national security advisor of Trump. And they basically tricked him. They, they pretended like they didn't know about his call that he had with the Russian ambassador. And then Michael, and they actually had a recording and they're asking him questions for no reason because they knew the answers already. But they were just trying to trick him. And then they claimed that he lied. I don't even necessarily believe that he lied. He denies lying, but they claim that he lied. And if the FBI accuses you of lying, then you better look out because you're in you're in big trouble, especially with, uh, you know, so many leftists. Um, who are controlling the courts. And, and and look, it's the deep state on steroids. There's more to get to, but we're going to have to wait till next time. But it's the deep state on steroids, this whole story. I mean, just one one to the one thing to the next, the way they literally conspired. It's Hillary, Obama, Biden. Biden's the one who suggested that they use the Logan Act to charge Michael Flynn with a crime. I mean, just you name it, every single slimy Democrat operative, DOJ operative under Obama you know, it was part of this and the Hillary Clinton campaign. They were the ones who paid for the Steele dossier and all that's getting exposed now in this trial. And I just want to mention that, you know, we keep talking about how, well, is John Durham going to indict anybody real? Not just this guy Sussman who's nobody, who nobody's heard of. Are we going to see indictments of the big players, of the real, you know, the, the, these, these leaders in the Democrat Party and in the Obama DOJ? How about Obama? How about Hillary? And don't get your don't get your hopes up. I always say that. Don't hold your breath. But it's very important. Attorney General Barr recently said, he said, John Durham's investigation. And look, we always, I'm so impatient. It's been years. Durham, it's been like three years since he was appointed. And when are we going to see some real indictments, not just these, you know, uh, bogus indictments of Sussman people we've never heard of. But something important to realize, and that lawyer, whatever that lawyer's name was, who, who uh, John Durham indicted, you know, because he, uh, he, he faked the email. There was an email that, that basically exonerated. There was an email from the CIA saying that Carter Page, who worked for Trump, that he was a CIA operative and his communications with Russia were not incriminating. And he doctored it. He doctored the email before it went to the FISA court. I mean, how disgraceful is that? That lawyer that Durham indicted because he literally changed the email to make it seem, I mean, it's just, it's, it's despicable. 
But either way, uh, John Durham was held up. COVID stalled the entire process. This is what A.G. Barr said. He said that John Durham, it could take a lot longer than he usually takes to get real indictments because there were no grand jury handing out indictments because of COVID for over a year. So smack in the middle of the Durham investigation. So that held things up. So it, ha- it took much, much longer than normally to play out. So we are going to keep an eye on that. And finally, as I said, air pollution and global warming. Um, essentially, scientists have come out that severe hurricanes actually are caused by cleaner air. The, the environmentalist policies that prevent emissions, that prevent car exhaust and prevent um, fossil fuel emissions, that actually has created severe hurricanes. Number one, they owe Trump an apology because they were blaming Trump, which made no sense, blaming Trump for severe weather. And it turns out they're the reasons. The environmentalists are the reasons for the severe hurricanes, for the severe weather. But what's amazing is this goes to show you, you know, that um, – they really don't know anything about science, and the science always keeps changing, as we saw with as we saw with the masks, right? You should wear a mask. You should wear a mask. The vaccine, first the vaccine prevented COVID. Then it doesn't prevent COVID, but it, pre- it doesn't prevent transmission, but it prevents severe cases. But, like, the science always changes, and that's because they really don't know anything. They, they think they know, and then you'll have other data that comes out that completely debunks what they thought. So, in a nutshell— it's really fascinating. It's not just hurricanes. It's global warming. And I don't know why they're not making – I know why they're not making a bigger deal out of this because this literally like totally, totally turns everything that they've been telling us on its head. This contradicts everything, you know, these people who are supposedly men of science, people of science, right? If we question man-made global warming, then we're science deniers. But like they know everything there is to know about, about the science. Well, this now really contradicts everything they've told us. They've told us that if you reduce fossil fuel emissions and if you reduce pollution, you have cleaner air, then that's going to prevent global warming. Well, it turns out it does both. It prevents global warming, but it also causes global warming. And in a nutshell, it's because these uh, the, 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 these fossil fuels, when you have these emissions of pollution, whether it's exhaust, fossil fuels, these emissions, they release carbon into the air. And carbon, it turns out, absorbs heat. Carbon absorbs heat, and then carbon then brings that heat down to Earth and increases global warming. So carbon emissions increase global warming. That's what they say. Let's accept that. But then you have aerosols. These these fossil fuels and this pollution, air pollution, when it goes into the air, it has two things. It has carbon, but it also has aerosols. Aerosols are these little little particles. And it turns out that aerosols, they don't absorb the heat. They reflect the heat back. They, 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 the, the sunlight hits aerosols, which aerosols, again, are in pollution. They're little particles in pollution. They're in fossil fuels. They're in these gases, exhaust gases, and, and, and these gases that get emitted, the, the, these emissions that come out you know, from these factories. All the stuff that the Democrats have been telling us we have to, we have to stop and we have to ban – those contain aerosol particles. Those aerosol particles actually reflect back and send the heat back up into the sun, back up into the sky. And now without those aerosols, those aerosols prevent global warming. They, they prevent – so what happens is the, 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 the ocean air gets warmer and that's what causes more severe hurricanes. So cleaner air means the, the, there are fewer aerosol particles. The aerosol particles are what prevent the sun from hitting the ocean – because they reflect it back. So it turns out the aerosol particles contained in the pollution and in the fossil fuels, this is amazing, means that when, when, when you have these emissions, when you have fossil fuels and you have these gases going into the, go, go into the atmosphere, on the one hand, they may increase global warming because they increase carbon, which absorbs the heat. On the other hand, they also decrease global warming. So it's like a fight. It's a tug of war. So let me read you here just a couple of shocking quotes here. There's a, 
There's a journal. There's Yale University's Journal on the Environment. This is actually from a couple of years ago, but it's the same st- stuff. Now they've come out with a lot more details. But this is a, an article in Yale University's journal called How Air Pollution Has Put a Break on Global Warming. And this is quoting a scientist, quote, We believe that the volume of human-created aerosols is so great that they have counteracted the effect of global warming to a certain extent. There's a kind of tug of war taking place between the warming greenhouse gases and the mainly cooling aerosols. It turns out we've actually been helping ourselves. We've been polluting ourselves toward a slightly cooler climate. And there are similar – this is in CNN, the AP. I don't want to bore you with you know getting into too many nitty-gritty details. But again, I just want to repeat that. From Yale University, the, 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 the name of this headline, the headline of the article, quote, how air pollution has put a break on global warming. We believe the volume of human-created aerosols is so great they have counteracted the effect of global warming. So it shows you that scientists don't know anything. And, and, and they're telling us greenhouse gases, actually, you know, the emissions of greenhouse gases, fossil fuels, which is what AOC and, and Bernie Sanders and all these Democrats and Elizabeth Warren are telling us we have to stop. They've been telling us that... Those emissions increase uh, global warming, and it turns out they increase and decrease at the same time. And when you have cleaner air, that actually partially decreases global warming, partially increases. It's a tug of war, which really shows you the beauty of how the whole system really works. But 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 it also means that why are we spending all this money and, and crushing businesses in the name of helping the environment? And for all we know, it seems like we might not be doing a thing for the environment. We might be even making it worse. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.